Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. When I say the word community, what comes to mind? Some of you might think of the definition that uh, Webster's or Google has where it's a group of people who live in the same area or a group of people who have the same interests. Maybe community to you uh, looks something like this. Go ahead and put that first slide up. Maybe a day at the park with your family, some friends, barbecuing, just hanging out. Maybe you think of uh, communities you've seen on television. <laughs> Sit right back and you'll hear a tale. Uh, this was a little before my time. Maybe from, from my generation, maybe this is the community you think of on television. Or maybe, since we live here in Columbia, Missouri, this is your community. You know, today's Sunday, all of us have to drag ourselves out of bed tomorrow and go back to work. Maybe this is your Monday morning community. (laughs) If you're like me, and a very proud Texan, this is my community. The best community there is. Thank you. Spoiler alert, everybody. Super Bowl Sunday, they're going to be there. What I really want to talk to you guys today about is biblical community. What does that look like and and how how do we how do we do biblical community here at Christian Chapel? If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, maybe you've got an electronic device and you've got Uversion, open up that app and turn to uh, Acts chapter two verses forty two through forty seven. We'll have it up on the screen as well. I feel like this this passage really gives us the nuts and bolts and description of what community truly looks like, biblical community. The verse reads, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's really what biblical community looks like. Lays it out there. Black and white. Here at Christian Chapel, we have our large biblical community where we meet every Sunday right here, listen to uh, Pastor Jeremy, as he would say, deliver a fantastic message every single week. <laughs> but we also have another type of biblical community and one that I feel is real, really fundamental to what biblical community looks like. And that's, that's our small groups, our life groups. In that passage, you'll see where it talks about they met at the temple each day. That was their large community gathering. But then it also talks about how they met in homes, shared in the Lord's Supper, shared in, in meals with each other, and had great joy and worship together. If you look at our website on the life groups page, we have 
where it says C2 Life Groups are to be a small group of people designed to provide community and to help us become more like Jesus through study, service, common interest, and just hanging out. Doing life together with one another in this way honors God, builds unity, and grows us spiritually. So you think about small groups and how this is biblical. You might ask yourself, how truly is this biblical? Well, I would challenge you to think about our triune God, the Trinity. You've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three in one. That's the original small group. That's the original life group. God himself lives and dwells in community. And that's what we believe here at C2. We believe that he lives and dwells in community. And he created us, each and every one of us, to be in community just like he is. You can go back to Genesis. Look at the creation. Here's Adam with no division between him and God. He's got the perfect connection. There hasn't been any sin. There's nothing. It's just a perfect connection between him and God. And even though there's that perfect relationship, God still looked at it and said, this is not good. Man should not be alone. And when he said that, and he obviously created Eve to be with Adam, the premise there is not talking about man should not be alone, he should be married. That's not where he's going with that. God's talking about man, I did not create man to be alone. Man needs to live in community with others, to walk with others. Jesus, even in his time here on earth, he called the twelve to be with him. Christ himself lived in small group, biblical community every day. He shared life with these twelve disciples every single day. They walked together, they prayed together, they ate together, they went to weddings and, and everything together, walking each and every day. Again, in John 17, Jesus at the end of the, the Last Supper prays to God and says, I'm not praying, or I'm, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. So right there again, Jesus is talking about the community between him, God, and the Spirit in one. And he's praying for all of us to be in community together as one, just as he is in community with God and the Spirit as one. So we're not created to do life alone. We're created to live in life together, to celebrate God's message together, to share it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, points out again, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So again, there's God calling us into community together to not walk alone, to to not try and, and succeed in life alone. So let's take a look back at that the uh, Acts verse again. It talks about them being in fellowship, praying together, sharing in meals together, sharing everything that they had. When you think back to the times when, when Christ was upon earth, meals were, uh, and, and they still are today, meal, meals are, are a very important thing. No matter what culture you look at, a meal can be a very powerful form of expression and friendship. When you invite somebody into your home and you share a meal with them, you're really in- inviting them in to be friend, to, to be close with you. And a meal is central to Jesus' mission. It embodies God's grace and enacts His mission. When when you read scripture and you read about Christ sharing in meals with different people, he shared meals with tax collectors. And in those days, I really believe in what I read in scripture that I'm pretty sure just about any Jew would have sat down to dinner with Charles Manson before they would have a tax collector. Because they, they viewed a tax collector as the worst person there was. Not only were these tax collectors betraying them, turning against them, but they were with the Romans. This is a a group of people that came in and desecrated their temples, desecrated their God. So a tax collector was the worst form of that type of person to them. That person just, they despised him. So when Jesus sat here and, and had meals with these tax collectors, the Pharisees would look and say, how can anyone say that this man is of God when he's willing to sit down and befriend and share a meal with someone who speaks against our God, who's against everything our God is for? But Jesus was creating community, sharing and fellowshipping, sharing God's Word. The Scripture also talks about how they shared everything. So not only are they sharing meals, they shared everything. Their possessions, there were those that in the Christian community had been blessed, were well off, they had money, and then there were those, just like in any society today, there were those that we're impoverished, we're poor. And the people who had been blessed and had more sold their possessions, shared it with those in need. That's community. That is biblical community. They prayed for each other. If you were with us this weekend, we had a conference here at our church 
Pastor Tim Enlow came in and, and spoke on the Holy Spirit and, and uh, delivered some phenomenal messages. And Saturday night when he was here, he, he spoke into the prayer in Acts. And he talked about the miraculous wonders that happened and, and uh, all the good things that were going on with the Holy Spirit moving in the book of Acts. But he pointed out to us that while there were times that there were miraculous movements of the Spirit and things happening in individual prayer, the majority of the scripture that he referenced and showed us was when there was corporate group prayer. So again, when we pray as a group, it's powerful. I believe that the prayer of Two or more is is unstoppable. I myself have been on both sides of the fence when it comes to being alone and in biblical community. When I was younger, I grew up in a house that my mom was a woman of faith, and she taught us about Christ and God's love and and all the things that were there. And while I heard that message, I didn't always take hold of it. I I believed that there was a God. I believed that Christ walked the earth years ago. But I never accepted and believed that God controlled and and was always there. I, I I didn't have faith for Him to take care of everything that that was involved in my life. I tried to control things myself. And when I was in high school, my older brother Theo went through a a real severe time of depression. And one morning we got a call that he had gone missing. He left a note, and in that note told us that he couldn't go on that he was going to take his own life. Several of my family prayed, lifted up their prayers, and, and I thought it was, my, myself, I thought it was silly. I thought, what's God going to do? And we did end up losing my brother. He, he did commit suicide. My thought was, I'm right. God didn't do anything. And I spiraled. I had no one to help me understand how God could let this happen to help me read the Word and know that God was still in this situation. I went through a really bad time. And having experienced that, I know we're not meant to walk alone in times like that. On the flip side of that, another moment in my lifetime, if you were here... Last year, I gave a message, shared my story of what we went through with my daughter. She was born just as 
normal as any child could be. At three days old, she started having some complications, had a seizure. We rushed her to the hospital. And after being there a few days, the doctors came and told us that she had had a stroke. They didn't give her a chance to live. They may not have flat out come out and said that, but we knew. They weren't giving her any hope. And they basically told us that if she did live, she'd be blind, she wouldn't function. And while that was devastating, I didn't spiral this time. And the reason for that is because we had our church community. We had so many people that came up and visited us, sat and read Scripture, prayed with us, believed that God was in that place, believed that His hands were on her and our family. And that encouraged me. Rather than being down and thinking, how's God going to take care of this? I didn't ask how God's going to take care of this. I just believed that He would. I dove into Scripture. I read so many pages of Scripture. When I would get somewhat down, I'd close my Bible, set it down, open it up, and God would always provide a Scripture to help encourage me. Or He would always send somebody to encourage me. And so we had that community around us to help us stand strong in the Word and to stand strong with God. And Issa today is... A little delayed in some areas, but if you were to look at her and see her running around and playing, you wouldn't think she was any different than any other kid there is. So we praise God every day for that. But again, it would have been much more difficult, if not impossible, to walk through that alone. And even recently, now, for me, those of you that uh, that know me on a daily basis know that... Uh, I recently had a, a, a bout with some kidney stones back in December, and um, this is something that I've dealt with a lot in my lifetime. I've had several kidney stones. Most of the time, I don't bother going to the hospital, but this was a little different. It felt different, and I felt that I needed to go to the hospital. So I went. They treated me. They did a CAT scan, said, yeah, the, the kidney stones in your right kidney, it's moving. It should pass. They gave me a prescription for some medicine to help with pain and help passing the stone. And, and I successfully passed and no issues there. But then on New Year's Day, which was a few weeks later, I got a phone call from the emergency room physician saying, hey, um, the radiologist came in and read your CAT scan and see something abnormal on your left kidney. We're not sure what's going on. So we want you to come in and do an ultrasound, take the results of the ultrasound to your, to your uh, urologist and, and let them look at it and evaluate it and see if we can figure out what's going on. So, I went to my urologist, and, and again, like I said before, I've, I've dealt a long time with kidney stones, so I've had several CAT scans and different things like that, and several years ago, they diagnosed me with having some cysts on my kidney, which were no big deal. They were on the outside of the kidney, and, and they weren't any harm. So I just assumed that that's probably the abnormality they were seeing this time, but my doctor came in and said, well, he said, this is not in the same place as we've seen your cyst before. It's, it's quite a bit larger, and it, 
And instead of being on the outside of the kidney like it's supposed to be, this looks like it's probably inside the kidney and it's kind of an unknown mass. What we want you to do is go in and have another CAT scan done with um, a dye. They inject you with a dye and, and scan you. It gives a little bit more detailed information to them. And so they've got me scheduled to go at, back in on Wednesday and, and check that out. Now, I don't know what they're going to find. I don't know what the outcome of it will be. I, I have faith that God's going to use it in some way, whatever the case may be. He'll use it to glorify Him. But I can tell you, if I had gotten that news, that phone call that they were seeing a mass on my kidney, and knowing what that can translate into, I don't know that I could have handled that, that news if I, weren't, if I didn't belong to a community of believers, people that I know will pray with me and help me lift this situation up to God. The church, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building we're sitting in right now. I'm not talking about the pastoral staff. I'm talking about the church, each and every one of you. The church itself should be designed around community. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 tells us this. It says, But as believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. The apostles weren't chosen to just take on the daily things going on in life. They were chosen to share and preach the word of God. The same thing shown to us in, when Paul talks to Timothy and Titus about building the church. He doesn't tell them to appoint one individual. He tells them to appoint several, create a group of elders and leaders. And even in the Old Testament in Exodus, when Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt, and he's, <clears throat> excuse me, and he's taking on all the issues that are going on within the Israelite camps, and they're bringing their problems to him, his father-in-law, Jethro, looks at him and says, Why are you doing this alone? God chose you to be leader, but to share his message. You need to appoint leaders to help take care of the daily life. Again, I'll tell you, we've got a fantastic pastor. Jeremy's amazing. I work with him on a daily basis, and he loves each and every one of you unconditionally. But it's not charged to Jeremy 
to take care of the everyday stuff. And, and I don't say that meaning that he doesn't care about the everyday stuff. He does. But he's not the only one that that falls to. God has called each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form into ministry. So we rely on life group leaders. These are, when I say leader, I know sometimes that word can be intimidating. And when it comes to our life groups, we're not asking our life group leaders to be theologians, to teach scripture when there's a gathering of these people. When there's, when there's a life group gathering, we're not asking you to, you know, preach what we're asking you to do is to facilitate excuse me, an opportunity for community to come together for us to share God's message, for us to share each other's burdens, to pray with each other. That's what a life group leader does. With our life groups, another thing that's important and, and very biblical is Discipleship. We're raising up people within those life groups. But then, to go a step further, those life groups serve in the community, whether it's here at church or out in our Columbia community. At Christian Chapel, we've, we've branded the label C2 Church. That C2 stands for the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And when you think about the Great Commission, when Jesus charged us with go and make disciples of all nations, that was not being said just for who was standing in front of him that day. Amen. That's being spoke across generations of believers. We are all charged to go and make disciples. Every single one of us needs to share the message of what the gospel is Christ's love, God's love for us, and help share that with people. I was at a conference not too long ago in Dallas, and a, uh, a pastor there that was speaking did an exercise with us where he had us pull out a piece of paper. And he said, draw in the middle of that paper a circle. Now around that circle... Make eight lines, three on top, three on bottom, one on each side. And he said, I'm going to give you a minute, and I want you to, on that paper, imagine that circle is your house, and I want you to fill in every single one of those spaces with the name of one of your neighbors. So he gave us a few minutes, we started filling it out. And then he, he asked a question to which the response astonished me and I'm sure probably most of the people in that room. He said, now I want each and every one of you, if you were able to fill out six or more of those spaces, raise your hand. Now this is a, this is a conference of church leaders and pastors and, and out of everybody in that room, I would say less than 20% of the people there raised their hand. So he, so he says again, okay, let me, let me shorten that list. If you were able to 
fill three or more out. Raise your hand. There were more hands that went up, but I can tell you it wasn't a lot more. Three or more? He then told us for two years he's been doing this exercise at conferences with pastors and church leaders. And in those two years, in every single room and auditorium that he'd ever been in through those two years, he would guess that not more than 40% of hands ever went up. That, that was astonishing to me. I looked at my list and when I say this, it's not to, to brag or, or say, yeah, I was able to do it. I was able to raise my hand. I had all eight spaces filled out on my page. But, as Jeremy likes to say a lot of times, there's an asterisk. There's some fine print to that. Three out of the eight people that I had on my list were former co-workers, and that's how I knew them. Two of the people that were on that list were co-workers of my wife. The others on that list, I met at a block party that one of our neighbors threw for their son for his birthday. In getting to know these people, the family that threw the party, learning their story, I came to find out that they don't belong to a church. They don't belong to a Christian community. But yet, they were the ones who took the initiative to create space and time for our neighborhood to come together in community. And I asked myself, why did I have to wait for someone who doesn't belong to a Christian community and may not know the gospel or the message of God, why did I have to wait for them to come to me and invite me out of my house to share in community with them? That is not what we're called for. We are called to step out and share with others. I look at some of the people that I know belong in the Christian community around my house, and I myself fall into this many times, we pull into our driveway, drive right up into the garage, close the garage door behind us, go inside, and we don't come out until it's time to either get the mail, mow the lawn, or leave again. That's wrong. We need to be the ones going out and meeting people. We can't be a light in the darkness of this world if we don't step out. Coming up in February, uh, February 1st, Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to launch life groups. We'll have tables set up, leaders to be able to greet, talk to you about life groups. Come and check it out. Don't live life alone. If you're not involved in a life group, 
Get involved in one. Maybe you're involved in a life group already, or you've checked out several life groups and you keep saying to yourself, That's not, it, it, does, it doesn't fit me. Or if you're already involved, but you, you see a need somewhere for another small group of community believers. Stop thinking about it. Stop. Stop thinking that somebody else needs to step up and create that group. If you've had it on your mind, take a step out and decide to lead a group yourself or with another person. God God is not honored when we're in our comfort space. He's not calling us to be comfortable. Amen. When you're in your comfort spot, you're honoring yourself. Step out. Step out of your comfort zone and into what God may be calling you to do. An article that I read recently had a, had a quote in it that really struck a chord with me. The, the author of the quote is unknown. But the quote reads like this, Like an ember of a fire, left to itself, a lone ember dies out and loses that fire for the truth of God's word. For the children of God... And for walking with Christ as we ought to be doing every day. Don't try to walk through life alone. It's not what you were created for. God doesn't want us to be alone. Through the articles and Scripture and videos that I've watched and studied preparing for this message kind of built my own short definition of biblical community. And it reads like this, People who love each other are united through common joy, sharing and living the story of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads as I pray with you this morning? Father, I pray that you're speaking into each and every one of these people. I just I lift them up to you, God. I pray that we would continue to build a strong community within this church and take that community out to reach those who, who need to hear your love and message. I just pray that None of us would try to walk alone, God. That we would walk through this life together, sharing everything that we have and everything that you have for us. We just thank you, God. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for salvation. We praise you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Hey, we are so glad you listened in. If you're looking for ways where you can connect here at C2, go to our website and click on Next Steps. And we'll see you here next week.